Welcome to Step 1 Success Stories by Physio, Episode 4. I had just committed to that, so I would just, I mean, usually that meant, and this is where Lara comes in, it would mean that, you know, after I was done studying for the day at 5 p.m., I'd come home, eat dinner, but then I would need to keep on doing flashcards again later that night. And sometimes it would mean I'd have to get up early the next day at 4 or 5 in the morning to finish out the flashcards that I didn't get through. You're listening to Step 1 Success Stories by Physio, the playbook of those who dominated the USMLE. If you want to learn how to excel on Step 1 and get into the residency of your choice, then you're in the right place. Stay tuned and join the thousands of others who have mastered Step 1 concepts using physio.com. Hey everyone, welcome to today's episode. Today we interview a fourth-year medical student named Josh Harmer and his wife, Lara. To help me with this, I'm here with my co-host, Rhett Thompson. How's it going? It's going good, man. Things are good. Uh, what's new with you, Michael? Uh, not a whole lot. Just uh, went to a play recently with my wife. That was pretty fun. She got me season tickets for Christmas, so we've been going to plays together every month. And uh, recently went and saw a play called Steel Magnolias, and it was, it was pretty good. It's awesome. Yeah, it's awesome. I think yeah, didn't you see your family or something there? There's yeah, it's kind of crazy. My sister just like came up to me in the, at the beginning of the play, and yeah, several of my sisters were there. <laughs> we hadn't planned it out at all like that. Just bumped into them, so just kind of fun. Just a play going family. That's awesome. Yeah. So let me introduce our guest now, Josh Harmer. As Michael mentioned, is a fourth year medical student. He is from Utah originally, and he graduated or is about to graduate from the University of Utah Medical School. And he just recently matched into orthopedic surgery at the Mayo Clinic. And what was so interesting from our interview is just seeing how he figured out what worked for him. And he figured it out super early and just stuck with it. You know, and his wife, Laura, who was also in the interview, just really emphasized how consistent he was. And it was just really interesting listening to his routine and just how persistent he was at his goals. So let's bring on Josh and Laura. All right. Well, uh, thanks so much, guys, for joining us on the show. We're super excited to have you here today. We really appreciate your time. Yeah, we're, we're really glad to be here. Awesome. Well, let's dive right in. So maybe you guys can tell us a little bit about yourselves. Uh, you guys have a unique situation. You're married, you have four kids, and there's a unique balance there. So maybe you could tell us a little bit about how you guys met and then Josh, what got you interested in medical school? Yeah. So, um, we actually met my first semester of college. Uh, we were both going to the university of Utah. Laura was a chemistry major and I was a physics major and we had at least calculus and physics together. And we ended up living in a close proximity in terms of the student housing. So we ended up interacting with each other a lot, studying for classes and things like that. Um, and we, uh, we dated uh, for a few months and ended up getting married uh, at the end of the summer after my first semester. I started it um, in January. So from there, we, uh, we were both going to, going to undergrad I was actually working as a scrub tech during that time. Um, that was a program that I'd done during high school. And then we started having kids about a year and a half after that. Is that about right? 
And we, so we had our first son uh, about a year and a half after getting married. And then from there, we've had three more, pretty much 18 to 20 months apart, each one. Uh, we, so now we have uh, one son and three girls, um, and our youngest is 10 months now. So we basically went, uh, finished undergrad, and um, I didn't have a break. I just started medical school right after that. And kind of a funny story about Josh and working as a scrub tech. So he actually worked full time during undergrad, and um, that was totally by accident um, that Josh applied for for a part time job. At least we thought he was applying for a part time job, and then he came home and said, "Well, I I get to work full time." <laughs> so Josh went to work full time while going to school full time. And I think that that's when I at least realized that I thought that he would be fine being a doctor because um, he he could work very long hours with um, without becoming too overwhelmed and frustrated with life. So wow, yeah. And I guess to answer the question about when I decided to be a doctor, it was probably sometime in high school, um, around the time when I uh, started that surgical tech program. Uh, it was definitely on my mind at that point. And doing that, having exposure to surgery made me uh, realize that I wanted to be a surgeon as well. So um, I definitely had that mindset all through undergrad. So I was pretty focused on uh, reaching that goal. Very interesting. Very cool. Thanks for sharing that. I think the, I think our, our listeners will find a lot of that information really interesting. So I know I know that you scored very well on step one, Josh. You got a 270, which is incredible. Congratulations. Thank you. <laughs> and, and you're going to Mayo Clinic doing orthopedic surgery. So, you know, those are very impressive things to put on your resume. And we really want to dive into the details about how you were able to achieve that kind of a score. And at the same time, you know, what that was like for your family. So after you got into medical school, maybe you could kind of walk us through, you know, the first few days or first few weeks of medical school, what that was like for you. And then at the same time, what that was like for you, Laura? Yeah, for me. So I, I think my uh, journey started probably a month or so before I started medical school. I sort of did some online research trying to figure out, you know, what people did. You know, I'd, I'd heard about step one and um, I had an idea that I wanted to be a surgeon. Um, so I had a sense that I needed to do well on the exam. And I actually came across a website called usmle.com. Uh, Y-O-U. And the title of the blog post was something like how I got a 270 on step one, um, which is ironic now that I, you know, now that that's actually what I ended up getting. But, <laughs> but that was literally the the post that I watched or that I read. And um, what was described there was basically a system of using uh, Anki flashcards to essentially retain all of the information that you ever learn in medical school, or at least all of the important information. So that was sort of the mindset I had going in. I think like most people starting medical school, it's pretty overwhelming um, the first couple of weeks, just the volume of material that is coming at you. And, you know, I, I was a physics major, so my study habits were very different from, you know, like maybe a biology major. Most of what I did wasn't memorization, it was problem solving. So I really had to change how I was studying. But that, that first semester, I basically tried to refine a way of using flashcards to learn and retain information as, 
as efficiently as I could. Interesting. Okay. So you were really focused on using Anki for learning all, all of the information of medical school. Is that right? Yeah, essentially. Um, I, I probably spent outside of class. Um, I probably spent two thirds or three quarters of my time reviewing flashcards. Okay. And did you have, let's see, during the first year of your medical school, you had mandatory attendance and then the second year it was not mandatory. Is that right? Yeah, that's correct. And I, I, I think because I felt like if something isn't broke, don't fix it. I just kept on going to class because it was working for me the first year. So I, I basically just went to every class during the second year as well. Okay. So were you like focused on learning everything from the lectures and not so much worried about like learning information from first aid or other resources? Would you say you were more focused on coursework rather than step one during the beginning or would you say that's inaccurate? Uh, definitely, definitely during the beginning. I think the first semester I was almost entirely focused on coursework. I think I had a copy of first aid and occasionally looked at it, but for the most part, I was just absorbing what the lecturers were saying. Starting in the second semester, which is when we started uh, more of the systems-based approach um, with unit that was cancer and, um, and some of the pharmacology associated with that, um, I started using some of the outside resources. So I started using Pathoma, uh, used first aid more heavily. And that's when I started incorporating some uh, pre-made Anki decks with uh, primarily the Bros and Cephalon deck was the one that I used. Okay. So from there, I basically went to lecture and tried to glean which flashcards that were pre-made were going to be relevant to that lecture. And then if the lecturer made some important points that weren't covered in those flashcards, then I'd make some, some of my own. I see. So that Bros and Cephalon deck, I remember hearing about that really towards... I guess after I had taken step one. So it was really something that I wasn't aware of until after I had already taken it. Mm -hmm. So I can't, so I'm not like super familiar with, you know, the length or the quality of the cards, but it sounds like it was something that worked for you for a long period of time. So can you tell us what made the cards good and kind of the, the length of the questions and the answers and things like that? Yeah, I think for me, what made it, very useful is that it just aligned with the resources that I was using. So he had, um, you know, the person that made this deck made somewhere like 20 or 30,000 flashcards and basically tabulated in flashcard form all of Pathoma and all of first aid. And then additionally had a bunch of pharmacology flashcards. So it really aligned since I was using Pathoma anyways, I would basically watch a Pathoma video. And then I would search through these cards in the chronological order that they were created. And I would basically have great flashcards that solidified the concepts that, that Dr. Sitar from Pathoma was teaching. So I could learn the material and then jam it into my brain by going through flashcards. Awesome. So a lot of students, including myself, back when I was studying for step one, would oftentimes bite off more then I could chew. You know, I would think these are all the flashcards I want to use. And and then they would pile up over time. Do you feel like you were able to stay on top of those? Yeah. So I I, I basically committed, and that was part of the 
the uh, reading that blog post before medical school, I basically decided that I was never going to let cards build up more than a day or two. So especially right after I took a unit exam and that first week of a new unit, you'd add a whole bunch of cards into your deck and it would be pretty overwhelming that first week usually. But um, I had just committed to that. So I would just I mean, usually that meant, and this is where Lara comes in, it would mean that, you know, after I was done studying for the day at 5 p.m., I'd come home, eat dinner, but then I would need to keep on doing flashcards again later that night. And sometimes it would mean I'd have to get up early the next day at four or five in the morning to finish out the flashcards that I didn't get through. But in the end, it was basically just a commitment that I, I wouldn't allow myself to let reviews that were due build up. So I think I have sort of two thoughts on this. So just watching Josh do these things, watching, ha, no, (laughs) supporting (laughs) Josh do these things. I think that obviously I was a big help to him in how um, I like just made food. And so he wouldn't, when he would come home, he could just eat and then go back to studying. But I think that um, something I really appreciated about him was that he would come home and eat with us. And then if I needed help with something or something like that, he would do that. And then he would go back to studying um, sort of immediately after that. Um, but he's definitely right. He would not let things go by when we would go places. I it was always the designated driver wherever we went <laughs> because Josh needed to do his we call it Anki. Josh needs to do his Anki cards. So, um, <laughs> so I was, I was always the designated driver and Josh was always, I don't think he ever slept in past four forty-five, five o'clock, maybe if he was sleeping in, um, so that he could get those cards done. And then one more thought there is that, um, just, we decided that Sundays would be a day of rest for our family. And so Josh would never study on Sundays. So Saturday night, he'd stay up really late studying. And then we'd skip over Sunday and then Monday morning, he'd be up at 4 a.m. to make sure that those cards got done from, from that Sunday buildup. And sometimes he'd have, I don't know, a thousand cards to do in a day is the numbers that I remember on those Monday mornings. Wow. Yeah. That's yeah. really impressive. And Anki, at least the way that I've been most familiar with it recently, is if you have over a thousand cards that are due that day, it just says a thousand plus. And- <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so it's right. like it, it could be could be three or four thousand. <laughs> you mentioned that you were spending a lot of time on these cards each day and not getting far behind. One of my questions is then how were you able to keep up on your coursework? What were you doing to make sure that that wasn't getting in the way? Uh, yeah, that's a good question. So, like I said, I always went to class, so I was always at least dedicating those four hours to learning, you know, the new material for the day. And usually I would be adding during those lectures somewhere to the tune of 40 to 60 flashcards each day that I would then learn, you know, I'd review two times later that afternoon in addition to reviewing the flashcards that I'd learned previously throughout the um, the rest of the time during medical school. And the way Anki's algorithm works is that it's spaced repetition. So by the time I was in, you know, my third and fourth semester of medical school, I was really only seeing five or 10 flashcards a day from the entire first semester of medical school. 
which five or 10 flashcards you can do in all of two or three minutes. So I was reviewing the material from the first semester in two or three minutes a day, which anybody can do, but it, it basically spaces it out that way. So I was probably only spending an hour or so each day of reviewing material that was not directly relevant to the course that I was taking right then. Gotcha. So it sounds like the flashcards were not only a great way to review and be able to stay on top of all the things that you had learned, but it was the primary means of learning the material in your current coursework. Is that correct? Yes. Yeah. Yeah, that's correct. And I I should, I didn't mention this before, but I would say that in order to help me learn and retain the information a little bit better, I also used, in addition to Pathoma, I used uh, sketchy medical for pharmacology and microbiology. And just having those images, you know, I, whenever we did like a lecture on, you know, a specific pharmacology topic, I would watch that video shortly after the lecture and then do the flashcards associated with those, with those drugs. Gotcha. Now with sketchy, how are you able to incorporate that into your review process? I basically pulled the images into my flashcards so that every time I saw or I answered a question on a specific drug or a specific bacteria or whatever, um, I would see that image below the question after I answered it. So then I, you know, if it was whatever it was, Staph aureus, I'd look at that picture and remember the specific detail that the flashcard was testing me on and how that related to the image. Interesting. So you didn't make a new flashcard. You just took one of the pre-made flashcards from Rosencephalon that related to the sketchy image, and then you put the sketchy image as part of the answer. Correct. Were you making, I'm a little unclear, were you making your own flashcards simultaneously while using Rosencephalon, or like, how did you? I probably, I used all of Rosencephalon. I learned every card in that deck, but of the cards that were pre-made, I probably edited in some way about 50% of them. And by edit, oh, I see. It, it would mean like either I'd reword the question so that it actually tested a concept that I cared about as opposed to testing kind of a useless fact, or I would add in like a comment in the extras section that would just remind me of something else that I had read about that concept. And many times it would just be pasting a picture into the extra category. Okay. Whether that was a sketchy image or an image from Pathoma or an image from first aid, just something that, uh, that helped me solidify that information in a visual form. Okay. So you used Rosencephalon as like a template and then you didn't really make your own cards. You mostly just edited those cards. Is that right? Correct. It was probably, you know, one in, you know, I probably made my own card from scratch one out of 20 or so, probably 5% of my deck was, was my own. Okay. And so at the same time, you were using like your coursework, you were using Pathoma, First Aid, and Sketchy, and you were incorporating all of that information into the Rosencephalon deck and editing it where need where it needed that edit. Is that right? Yeah, exactly. Okay, interesting. So the deck that I ended up with at the end of medical school sort of had the skeleton of Rosencephalon, but it was very much my own by the end. I see. Okay. Interesting. And when did you start, when did you say you started using Rosencephalon? 
Um, I think I actually didn't hear about it until I actually, now that I think about it, I remember doing just like hundreds and hundreds of flashcards at the end of host and defense, which was the end of our second semester. So I think what I did is during the summer between first and second year, I tried to sort of catch up on the flashcards that I didn't learn during those semesters, if that makes sense. So like I didn't, I didn't do Bros and Cephalon cards during our, our like cell biology and cancer unit. Uh, so I learned those during the summer after first year. Okay. So the first semester, you were really focused on just like coursework and learning everything in medical school. Second semester, same kind of thing through like the first half. But then halfway mm -hmm. through your second semester, you started using Bros and Cephalon and you would incorporate information from other resources such as Pathoma, First Aid, Sketchy, and your coursework and edit the deck and just continue, you just continued reviewing that throughout that course. And then throughout the summer, you went back and kind of reviewed information that you had learned earlier in the year. Is that right? Yeah. And while all the while during, during the summer, I was reviewing the flashcards that I'd already learned during that first year. I see. But yeah. Oh, just what you said is exactly right in terms of uh, how I was incorporating all the different resources and basically trying to fuse it into a kind of an ultimate Anki deck. Okay. So it sounds like your schedule was insanely busy. I mean, waking up at four o'clock in the morning, you know, only coming home and eating dinner and then going right back to studying. I have two questions. Was that hard for you, Josh? And then Laura, what was that like for you? I know you talked about supporting him, but I can only imagine that must have been really hard for you to have been taking care of your kids so much and like making dinner and cleaning and all this stuff and like not having Josh around as much as you probably would have liked. Can you guys talk about that? Yeah. So honestly, for me, I felt like it was significantly easier than what I was doing undergrad. Um, it's like we had said, I was working full time. I was going to school full time. Um, during my last year of undergrad, I was working the graveyard shift. So there were nights where I didn't even sleep. I'd go to class, go to work, go back to class, and then sleep a little bit in the afternoon, um, which fortunately in medical school, your schedule is a lot more flexible. So I, I pretty much always slept seven to eight hours. Since we had young kids, we'd go to sleep at 8.30 um, and I'd get up at 4.30. So it's, I mean, it's eight hours of sleep. It's just going to sleep two, three hours earlier than most people do. So, I mean, when I would study in the evenings to study, it wasn't all that long. I mean, typically I would be studying from like 7 p.m. to 8 p.m. and then I'd get ready for bed. Um, it was pretty rare. I mean, only on those days when I had just tons of flashcards that were new or tons of new material to learn, um, usually at the beginning of units, that I would be staying up any longer than that. And and really, I don't I don't remember hardly any times when when I got less than seven hours of sleep. Hmm. So I don't know. For me, for me, it was okay. And I think the reason why I never really burned out with that kind of schedule is because of taking one day off each week to not even think about school. I did never pull out any study materials on Sundays, and that allowed me to just totally focus on my family and uh, kind of recharge my battery kind of thing. Hmm. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. How about for you, Laura? Can you talk about that a little bit more? Yeah, so I think from my perspective, I, you know, we listened to a lady give a talk once that um, 
she, her husband was an airplane pilot. And so he would obviously travel a lot and come home. And I I actually think you were there for this, but I just enjoyed her comment. Somebody asked her, like, was that hard for you? And she just said, like, I enjoy being independent. (laughs) And I kind of feel that same way. I really resonated with that when she said that I not that I don't enjoy having Josh around. Obviously, that's awesome when we get to have him. But um, but I I enjoy being independent, and I am capable of doing things on my own, and so I do. And um, I think I've gotten a few pieces of advice right when we entered medical school. I talked to wives that I looked at and really respected, and asked them questions. And one of the pieces of advice I got was just live your life as you would live it. And if your husband's there, rejoice. And if he's not, keep going. So we ate dinner at 5.30 every night, regardless of whether or not Josh was home. And if he was, great. If he wasn't, great too. It was okay um, either way. So another piece of advice that I got was just um, don't like wait around. So if he says he's going to be home at five o'clock. You add two hours to whatever time he says he's going to be home. So he says he's going to be home at five, expect him at seven. And so we just went with that. That was always the expectation. It is, it has held true. It is true. So even now when, um, when sometimes he feels like he should tag that time on himself. And so he adds on a little extra time. I always add on two hours and I'm spot on every time. <laughs> so that's one piece of advice. And then the last one that I got was, um, don't resent your husband ever. And there are very few times when I have broken that rule. And every time I have broken it, I, I instantly regret it. And so I just have chosen. It's just a frame of mind that I've chosen to not resent Josh for, for his study habits. And just to be so grateful that I married to somebody who works so hard and that we get to sort of reap the fruits of his labors because I'm supportive of his very rigorous study schedule. And so I just let him do what he needed to do. And and just and the long hours and everything didn't really feel like a sacrifice so much as a blessing in our lives. Wow. So that's a really, really cool perspective. And it actually says a lot more about you, Laura, than uh, than Josh, because essentially because you're you're so awesome. Josh got away with uh, got like a free deadbeat dad, deadbeat husband ticket, <laughs> and uh, and you just rejoice in in uh, in what he's doing, <laughs> and he just gets off scot free. You get after him, and then and then you feel guilty. <laughs> I, no, but I think that's super awesome. Like I think it just says it says a lot about the the power of you know having those close to you be super supportive, and and just for our listener, you know, Laura at this point has four kids, which means by extension, Josh also has four kids, but, but, it, but it's, it's super cool. So what, what Laura's talking about, it's, it's not like she's just taking care of herself. She's literally taking care of Josh and four children. Um, how old's your oldest? Just to put these in, things in perspective for our listener, Laura. So my oldest is five. Noah, he is five years old, and then Emma is three, Katie is two, and Rachel will be one this month. <laughs> awesome. Four kids, five and under. It sounds to me like you guys are a well-oiled machine <laughs> and that you guys work very well together as a team. Sounds like a, a very much a team effort 
for you to get that score and to have all that support. And then, you know, Laura, for you to be so independent and be willing to take on all those challenges by yourself to a large degree. I think that speaks highly of both of you working together as a team. Awesome. Thanks. Um, When did you get serious about focusing on step one in terms of incorporating question banks and things like that? I think I started using question banks during my second year. Um, I think somewhere in the summer, I bought RX and Kaplan, um, planning on using those throughout the second year of medical school. Um, so the way I did it, we the way our units worked during second year was basically that our final exam counted for almost all of our grade. So I would learn the material through flashcards, and then I would spend the final week of each unit going through all of the relevant uh, question bank questions from Rx and Kaplan, um, which would usually take almost a full week. Um, so at that point, I, I kind of had to learn the material a little bit ahead of time for that last week and just focus on questions and doing my reviews on Anki. So I did that um, through most of the way. And then I bought UWorld, um, I think midway through my last semester. And during Dedicated, I basically focused on UWorld and did just my Anki reviews. You know, I'd make some flashcards based on questions that I missed on UWorld and do the, the flashcards that were due that I'd learned during the first two years. But the vast majority of my dedicated study time was spent doing UWorld questions. And I, I guess the only other thing is that during my last semester of medical school, I tried to re-go through all of the Pathoma videos and all of the uh, sketchy micro and sketchy farm videos, um, just so I had another a, kind of a second pass on all that material before going through the UWorld questions. Hmm. Okay, so it sounds like kind of around like September, probably you started using RX and Kaplan. Is that right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that sounds about right. So beginning of second year. And were you able to finish those question banks or what percentage of the question banks did you did you get through? Yeah, I, I completed all of RX, all of Kaplan, at least all of the question bank. I they had a few full length tests that I didn't do, but I did all of the question bank questions. Um, I think each one had somewhere around 3000 questions. Wow. And then uh, as soon as I finished those, that was when I bought UWorld. Okay, so from about September until about February, you were doing RX and Kaplan. Is that right? Yeah, I think so. Okay. And you finished them while simultaneously going to class and reviewing all of your prior Inky decks that you that you were working on. Is that right? Yes. And I, I think the reason why it worked out is because it was it was basically just helping me study for class. Um, it was a way uh, the RX and Kaplan question banks were a way that I could test myself on the material I'd learned during that unit. And I didn't start to go through those questions until I'd basically you know, seeing all of the material that was relevant to that unit. Hmm. <laughs> wow. That's impressive, man, that you were able to get through so much stuff. That that really speaks to how hard you worked during that time. Yeah. So when you would do these question banks, whether it be RX, Kaplan, or UWorld, would you do those uh, timed or tutor? 
during during dedicate i so all of you world i did in timed 40 question blocks and i think most of kaplan and rx i did too um when i was doing them during that final week of each unit i would just do them in in timed for the most part timed 40 question blocks was was the goal occasionally i i wouldn't have it enough time to to sit down you know for that block of time so i'd do it on tutor mode but i always felt like you know perfect practice makes perfect not practice makes perfect so um, i'd try and practice as if i were taking an exam hmm. okay so so during february you started U world and you were doing like random timed mode you're doing like 40 questions uh, and you you do that every day, is that right? Yeah, honestly, I didn't do a whole bunch of U World before dedicated. I probably, I mean, it was, I can't remember exactly what month it was, but there, there was only probably two or three weeks before dedicated that I started U World, and I probably only got through uh, maybe three or four hundred questions before dedicated would be my guess. Okay, that makes sense. And then once dedicated came around, what was your schedule like? Um, so pretty similar. I'd get up, you know, at five or so, do flashcards for a few hours, eat some breakfast, and then I would I, I went kind of locked myself up in a room, <laughs> didn't talk to anybody during dedicated for the most part, <laughs> and I just went through U World uh, tests. I'd usually do three to four a day, finish around five or so, and then I'd go home and relax during the evening occasionally you know if i added uh, a handful of flashcards i would uh, learn some in the evening as well like from you know seven to eight or something but it was probably only every third day that i did that mostly it was like kind of a 6 a.m to 5 p.m type of schedule with breaks for meals i guess hmm. okay so you you said three or four. So were you doing that? Would be 120 to 160 questions a day. Is that right? Yeah, yeah, that's correct. Okay. And I think it's important to note that Josh would spend a lot of time reviewing those. So I think it would take him two to three hours to do a full set because he would do the the uh, timed portion and then he would sit and review the whole. Can you talk about that? Yeah, no, and that's true. I think that's that's. Uh, probably pretty standard for most people. I, I think on average, I was spending an hour to take the test because that was what they gave you for 40 questions. And then I would spend about two hours reviewing it and making flashcards. I would say that I, I always feel a little bit awkward sort of giving advice to people about dedicated study time because my score didn't really improve during dedicated study like the i so during dedicated i would i would take those u worlds and then each week i took one of the timed nbmes that are available online and my score was you know i think i got like a 267 the saturday after i finished my last semester of medical school so my score didn't really change at all during dedicated so i i mean I don't know if if I would have done as well had I just taken step one right, you know, right at the beginning and had six weeks of vacation or what. But, <laughs> but I, I don't necessarily feel like my advice is all that worthwhile because I didn't I didn't get any better. I mean, I had friends that that increased their score, you know, forty points during dedicated alone. So 
Well, you didn't need to increase your score. So you, you already had a perfect score. You couldn't go any higher. <laughs> Laura's probably thinking, gosh, we should have just gone on that six-week cruise. <laughs> <laughs> Amen. Yeah, she, she reminded me of that every week when I took a practice test. So. <laughs> um, and I did, I did actually end up moving my test date up, I think, a week and a half compared to what I was originally planning. So. Okay. Now, when was the first, what score did you get on your first MBME and when did you take it? Um, so I wish I actually remember. I think I got a 240, I want to say 245, but I'm not sure. Um, somewhere in the low 240s probably. Um, and that was between the, so it was basically midway through the last semester was when I took that prior to, um, having received the, what our skin, muscle, bone, and joint unit. So basically all the musculoskeletal material I hadn't yet really learned um, before taking that test. And those are all the questions you got wrong. So with your, with, uh, I guess if you got a 245 that early, what did you attribute that success to? Do you attribute that to frozen cephalon to just cover everything or yeah i mean i i think my basically my commitment to always reviewing my flashcards and learning the material well when i first saw it in class i mean it was basically the same goal that i had at the beginning was to learn all the material and never forget what i had learned um, and basically using anki to do that so i think I mean, that's basically all I attribute it to. And maybe, maybe the, uh, you know, the difference between that score and what I got was really just that skin, muscle, bone and joint unit. But I, I didn't feel like I was making a whole lot of improvement from there because most of the material was pretty fresh on my mind because I was still reviewing all those flashcards. Hmm. Gotcha. So when you were taking that MBME that you got a two to two forty five on, you probably weren't uh, encountering a lot of questions where you were thinking, oh man, I forgot about this. I didn't, what is this? Like you probably didn't experience a lot of that because you stayed up on your cards, right? Yeah, I think for the most part. I mean, everybody knows that's taken step one. There's plenty of just weird questions that they ask that you wouldn't ever really study for anyways, um, at least not directly. Um, so those questions always throw you off. But in terms of when they were just testing, you know, knowledge that you could, you could read in a textbook. I, I felt like I was pretty solid on most of that stuff at that point. Well, I think your score and what you've achieved, including, you know, matching to orthopedic surgery at Mayo speaks a lot to how hard you worked during the first two years, especially after talking to you in a little bit more detail about your strategy. It sounds like you just worked really hard and were really committed to the, to the Inky system and it worked. So congratulations on the score and uh, congratulations on getting into Mayo and orthopedic surgery, man. That's, that's really awesome. Thank you. Yeah, we're, we're definitely excited to, um, to get moving here in the next month or two. And, uh, and I, I mean, I definitely feel that hard work is the, is the key to success. Um, when, I, when I was going from high school to undergrad, my dad kind of sat me down and he told me, you know, you're, you're not going to be the smartest person in the room pretty much ever again, now that you're going to college, but you can always be the hardest worker. So that was pretty much what I tried to live by. And 
I, I really feel like the more time that you put in and the more focus that you have, as long as you have a, a solid strategy, then more time basically equals a better score, I think, um, with studying for step one. I think it's a great, uh, that's, that's great parting words of advice. I just want to, do you mind if I add to that? I definitely would say just watching Josh, I have actually learned a lot from being married to him about consistency. And um, I think if I could add to his study schedule, what he did, what might just feel like hard work. Um, Some people I think would attribute hard work to being something that like I put in like a lot of hours and I studied really hard and sort of rabbit and or um, hair in the tortoise scenario. Like I worked really hard and now I can take a break and I worked really hard and now I can take a break. Um, I just don't feel like that is, that is not how hard work really is. Um, hard work is consistency and every day knocking out those cards every single day, no matter what you're doing. Even if you, even when we don't go on vacation, he would take his cards, his cards with him. I mean, on his phone, he would be constantly doing his cards. So I think consistency, consistency, consistency. If I could say that enough, I would drill it into everybody's head. Awesome. Thank you for chatting with us. Yeah, absolutely. Hey everyone. Thanks for listening to today's episode. Be sure to go to our website at physio.com to check out our growing library of free step one videos. You can also find our physio group on Facebook to join our growing community of students preparing for step one. If you've been enjoying the episodes and have been getting value from the content, here are three easy ways that you can support us. One, press the subscribe button on the platform you're listening to this on. Two, leave us a review. To do that, just go to physio.com slash podcast. Three, find your friends who are in medical school or interested in medical school and tell them about the podcast. Thanks for listening and join us next time.